The views and opinions expressed on the 10-8 podcast are those of the authors and guests individually. They do not necessarily reflect an official policy or position. The 10-8 podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not affiliated with any entity, agency, or department. So you want to be in love like the movies But in the movies they're not in love at all With a twinkle in their eyes They're just saying their lines And so we can't be in love like the movies Now in the movies look so perfect and in the background they're always playing the right song and in the ending there's always a resolution but real life is more than just two hours long so you Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the 10-8 Podcast. My name is Officer Y, and co-hosting the episode today with me is... I am Stephanie Franick from Project 109. And welcome to our Valentine's Day edition of the 10-8 Podcast. Uh, this is the COP Council kind of collaborative effort with Project 109, and today we are going to be talking to KP and DC from Fit Cops. I'm sure everyone is well aware of, of them and, and their organization. And we're going to be talking about cop spouses. We're going to be talking about um, being in a relationship with a cop or, or you know, all the fun ins and outs that go with it. So we've got me, the cop. We've got Stephanie, the wife of a cop. And then we've got KP and DC who are both cops and thus significant others of cops. So this will be, <laughs> this will be a fun little uh, conversation. We'll see. We'll see just how deep we can uh, delve into this. I think this is a super interesting topic because it is a hot button topic, but it's kind of like the forbidden uh, hot button topic that I think a lot of people are terrified to talk about or don't realize is relevant. Yeah, I I agree. I think this is just one that like everyone can joke about. Everyone can kind of make side comments about, but no one actually wants to talk about it. Yeah, but then you have like the elephant in the room kind of thing where, you know, um, some of my officers, I love them dearly, <laughs> but they don't make the greatest choices. And for some families, because of poor choices, um, sometimes it ends up being definitely the elephant in the room with, you know, relationships and healthy relationships versus non-healthy relationships. And, you know, that search for that adrenaline rush. And I mean, we're, as first responders, we're all that type A adrenaline rush, adrenaline junkie kind of personalities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think, when shit gets boring, you kind of have to figure out how to make it unboring. And sometimes we don't necessarily do it quite the right way. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked, I've talked in the past to uh, Dr. Delery with, with our episode, we talked about a little bit about how it's, um, it's that, it's that drive, it's that need. It's, but for me, I think it was, you know, when, when I make bad decisions, it's also just my body's way of kind of deflecting, like, the it's like stress reliever kind of thing. Like, you know, you got all this stress built up. How am I going to get rid of it? And then you end up leaving or leading to these bad decisions, whether it's in relationships, out of relationships, or, you know, you just become these adrenaline junkies just trying to 
you know, if I'm focusing on this, I'm not focusing on what's actually bothering me. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think as first responders, I mean, cause I come from that side of the house too. I'm not, you know, I, I like to think of it as I have, you know, one foot in both worlds. I'm a police wife, but I'm also a now former first responder myself. And, you know, I've had those uh, moments where living on the edge is uh, what you seek. And then mm-hmm. you've had the other one, the other kinds of moments where it's like, ah, oh, shit, I screwed up. I shouldn't have done that. But oh, yeah. um, I think all in all, it's, it's a challenge. It's a unique challenge. It's extremely different being in a first responder relationship, um, whether it's dual first responders or just one or the other. Um, same thing with military too, to some point, you know, it's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, we're a different species. We're a different type of peoples. And um, I think that that need for deflection, that that need for that adrenaline, that next big thing, we don't know how to just slow it down and kind of be normal. So I right. think we kind of self-sabotage the, the normal things in life without really realizing it. Yeah, I, that's a good point that you brought up, self-sabotage. There's, you know, you can think about anything, uh whether it be like going out drinking the night before work or obviously talking a little bit too friendly to the nurse or dispatcher or whatever. And, you know, before you know it, bad things are happening. But we sound so cute. You can't resist. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. (laughs) No, but you're you're right. And it's, it's just, here's what I think. I think that in that realm, because like I said, we, we all joke about it. I've made too many memes about it, but when you work in an environment with somebody that you're constantly around, especially a high stress one. There is that like, I don't even want to say Stockholm syndrome, but like, you know, we're all in. Yeah. Like we're all in this together and it's like, you get it. Um, Not only do you get it because, you know, my girlfriend is a dispatcher, so she understands it as well, but you know, it's just like, we, we experience this together. There's that weird bonding connection kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where, the problem lies and that's where the mistakes happen and that's where the the bad choices are made. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely part of it. Um, and I think, I mean, to some degree it's, it's difficult for, I mean, I, I know it is, I'm a police wife. I'm assuming it would be the same for fire wives, EMS wives mm-hmm. or whatever, or, you know, EMS spouses, fire spouses, police spouses, but it's, it's hard because having been in that situation myself, you you have this strange bond with people that you go through trauma with that is not possible to recreate in a calm, normal setting of like a regular relationship. So you you kind of have, again, that foot in two worlds um, kind of mentality. And you go home to your spouse and that's one type of relationship, but you go back to work with all your, your comrades and your fellow coworkers and, you know, whatever role they play. Um, and you just have two very separate kinds of bonds. Um, one is not necessarily better or more deep than the other. It's just, it's just different. And having now taken the role of police wife, I fully understand why, um, primarily wives, I think in my personal experience or like what I viewed, but I think I now understand why wives get all like pissed off and upset about like, oh, well, my husband's dispatcher or, you know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe husbands get upset of like, oh no, my wife's dispatcher. Like, I mean, or, I don't know. Or if, or my wife's officer. That's another one. Too. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's that. Um, what are they doing while they're at work? Why are they texting all the time? What's up with the group chat? Right. You know, why, why are they so close? Exactly. And I think yeah. 
I've had moments. I know, I think 90% of my husband's dispatchers somewhat personally, personally enough. I'm acquaintances with some. I'm very good friends with others. And I got to say, like, there are moments where, like, I hear stories about, you know, other officers in our social circle or other firefighters in our social circle from, you know, both me and him where it's like, holy crap, I didn't know those two were shacking up. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. boy. I've, and then yeah. all of a sudden I get panicky because I'm like, oh, my God, what is my husband doing? And it mm-hmm. flips me into this, like, mentality that I am totally not accustomed to being in. And I'm like, holy crap, why is my husband, you know, working late when the dispatcher's telling me he cleared his call 20 minutes ago? Like, what the hell's going on? And I know deep, like, my husband would never do something stupid. I always joke that he would throw up on himself if somebody ever, like, threw themselves at him because he just wouldn't know what to do. He's just Mm -hmm. not that kind of person. And I got lucky. But, um, I, I mean, there are a whole shitload of us out there that are okay with those kinds of things and and we succumb to the stresses and all that and we don't make the greatest choices right and you panic about that and and it's tough as a police wife sitting at home watching my husband go to work every day while I sit here and wrangle four kids and run multiple businesses and the organization and it's like well what's he doing all day you know Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. you start to kind of force your mind to start spinning and I think it happens on both sides yeah yeah and I I so in, in my personal side of things, which is, uh, you know, this is better than therapy because I don't usually talk about this stuff either. Um, <laughs> you know, my girlfriend, again, is a dispatcher. She is not, she's one of the people, she stays separated from her deputies. She doesn't talk to them. She, you know, work is work and that's about it. And that's good. I, on the other hand, I try to stay, keep everything very friendly and informal with my dispatchers, with my records clerks, with evidence, every, you know, whoever I deal with on it, if shit, the, the custodians, you know, I try to keep everything light and friendly and everything because you don't discriminate. <laughs> well, well, that I think, but we're all working together on the same common goal, whether you are just, you know, the custodian mopping up, you know, late at night, Hey, you're still here. You know what I mean? Evidence clerk, you know, it, it's maybe evidence and records. I'm trying to be nice because I don't want to get all the nasty grams, but Point being, we're all part of the same team. We're all doing the same thing, trying to accomplish the same goal. And I do know that at a moment, things can go really bad. So I always try to leave my lasting impression on anybody I'm encountered with positive. You know, I I try not to be nasty or mean. But that being said, you know, I have, and I didn't realize this when it was happening. um, I've had since I was a kid not a kid, like a a late teenager, early twenties, um, this negative reaction to stress where I would, you know, and it was, you know, reaching out to people that I probably shouldn't have reached out to for extracurricular activities. And, you know, and it, again, it was something that I didn't realize that I did as a coping mechanism. And then, uh, when it got caught and when I got called out on the mat on it, it was like, shit, this is what I'm doing. And that was my first entrance to therapy and, and all that counseling kind of thing is like, I didn't realize that that was my body's reaction. My, my brain's reaction to stress is just like seek safe waters, you know, just, just go. And, and, and it's something that I don't know if people have that are listening have ever experienced. I don't know if I'm just the, the odd duck in the bunch, but um, you know, it's just something that we all do to, we all have our different reaction to this whole thing. Yeah. And that's standard. I mean, I can't tell you how many officers across my career and firemen and EMS and all the everybody in first responder worlds, we've all been there, including me, 
Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we've all been there. It's a coping mechanism. It really is. Right. And it doesn't make you bad. It doesn't mean that you're a scumbag. It doesn't mean, you know, that you're this, that, or the other thing. It's not about the labeling part. It's about the mental health part behind it. We Mm -hmm. use coping mechanisms that deflect the hell out of everything at work. And we go to, like you said, safe waters. That's something we know it's, it's Mm -hmm. ingrained in the humans. We know that, um, And I think it's also a a level of control too. You have that, you can control the chaos that's around you. True. Whereas at work, you you can't necessarily control it. You control it best you can, but you don't have control over exactly what's coming every day. Um, And I think that gives you that level of of controllability, if that's even a word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, In your real life. And it's it's not always the smartest. It's definitely not the smartest. Right. It is what it is. No, no, you're absolutely right. And, um, it's funny you said scumbag. I, I always call myself a recovering scumbag. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's it, – it, I'm really glad that you kind of said that. Like when I was doing the wrong thing, I knew it was the wrong thing. And like my bo- – you know, my brain's like, bro, you got to stop. And then I didn't. And then, you know, <laughs> um, and my girlfriend's going to listen to this. And I hope it's not painful for her because, you know, we have overcome it. But it's – it was a hard – it was a very hard situation. And like, I've never looked at my mental health that way at all, ever. I was like, cause we've talked about this in our first episode. Um, you know, you, you feel something and you're like, Nope, I can't feel that. Um, it's not me. Um, it's nothing compared to what other people deal with. And now that I've kind of come to terms with, no, yeah, I'm allowed to feel that way. Um, it's been much easier to kind of overcome these high stress situations and and move forward from it. I know I've worked different, different things and, you know, I get a flashback from it at very inopportune times. And, but now, now that I've opened up that channel with my significant other to say, Hey, I'm having a rough day. This is why it just, it's like the weight is lifted off your chest, off your shoulders. It's, it's great. And then we don't have these negative coping mechanisms from that. It's, it's an evolution and it's a process. I mean, a lot of times we make stupid decisions uh, for one thing or another, and it doesn't have to be any particular topic. It's just we make not the brightest decisions sometimes. Mm-hmm. And in the light of stress or something that happened at work or something that didn't happen at work or, you know, sometimes those really, really quiet shifts where it's, you know, 8, 12, 16 hours sitting there doing absolutely nothing. The phone doesn't ring. There's no calls coming in. You got nowhere to go in your fancy little cruiser there you get bored and it's like, well, I can't sit still because this isn't normal for me. I don't know how right. to sit still. And, and mm-hmm. it becomes that inverted sense of like reality, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the flip side, I mean, there are some incredibly amazing first responder relationships because yeah. you have that really deeply ingrained ability to talk to your partner, you know? So it's not always that as a coping mechanism, but I mean, I've lived that, unfortunately, I hate to admit that, but I've, made shit decisions as a coping mechanism myself. We all have. It just, um, I think it's about recognizing when you're about to make a bad decision and knowing what is going on. So taking like accountability of yourself and, or taking inventory of what's going on in your head beforehand. It's like, you know, if it's dangling in front of you, you should probably stand there for a second and be like, Hmm, should I be doing this or not? And why am I doing this? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, and we've talked about with, with your husband when he comes home, you know, he's got to do the dishes and, you know, don't talk to him while he's doing the dishes or whatever. That, that turned into me. Definitely not dishes. My sink can attest to that, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, um, you know, I go home and for an hour, I just, I'll 
I'll stare at, you know, the a video game, a TV show, the water outside my, my apartment, something. Just let me not think and make decisions for like a few minutes, an hour, whatever. Cause it's, you know, that's what we do all day. And then, uh, then, then we're human again. And then that, when I realized that that was the better way to decompress from the day, um, you know, things have just been so much better ever since. And I feel like that's how I got into philosophy. That's when I really started reading. Like, you know what I mean? Like you open up all these different avenues when you stop going to the, the closest route, the easiest route. And I mean that in every sense of that word, Mm -hmm. um, you know, once you start fleshing out everything, all your options, um, you start making better decisions. You know, a lot of people they'll go to the gym, whatever. There's just so many more issues out there, avenues out there to to deal with these issues. Yeah. And also, I mean, I got to call it out. Let's face it. You know, when we put on our uniforms, dispatchers included, I mean, I'm thinking more or less EMS, but dispatch included, you put on that uniform and you feel like a different person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you put you, you don't just put on clothes, you put on a persona. So when you have people throwing themselves at you on a daily basis, because they love that persona. Um, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that this is like a worldwide term, but you know, you get yourself a badge bunny or two on a domestic or on a larceny call or, you know, a, Oh my God, I locked my keys in the car. Can you please save me? Mm-hmm. Mm, it gets a little, um, sometimes they throw themselves at you. And, and, the, and then you get easy. right. Yeah. And then you get that knight in shining armor feeling and you're mm-hmm. like, Oh, look at that. I sell, I helped the damsel in distress. And, you know, I, I've noticed that I do this. This is the Northeastern in me. I always, ref- I always go straight to male pronouns and stuff. I, I mean, guys and girls. So right. when I say that, I'm, I'm referring because there can be a female. She helps out a guy, and suddenly, you know, she's got herself a badge bunny. I don't know what the exactly. male yeah. version of badge bunny is, but you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it covers everybody. It's across the board. Um, yeah, so when I say you guys, I am not being sexist. That is just, <laughs> that's the New Jersey in me. That is literally what we do. I'm sorry. Yeah, and you got to put me in the same boat because I'm from not too far north of there. It is a Northeast thing. We just kind of lump it all into one category and we don't mean to. It just, it right. happens. I, I wrote a meme today and I put guys, and I mean, I've noticed it for a while that I do that. And I'm like, well, you know how wordy guys and girls is? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hate that. Or I hate when like. Peoples. Yeah, yeah, you people or I had a high school English teacher that would say Eddies and Bettys. But you can't say that now cuz you know all the all the different genders that are out there. <laughs> hey, we got to be politically correct. I, I guess. <laughs> we got to keep it all together. I guess. But it's it goes again. I mean, it goes for everybody. Like it's yeah. I always make the joke with my husband all the time cuz he always tells me this funny story. It comes up in conversation at least twice a year. <laughs> he goes to a crash for an extremely good-looking girl who gets out of an extremely lifted truck. And again, and we're, it's, the, it's the New England thing. We're a bunch of hillbillies up here, apparently. But Not Florida, too. You're fine. <laughs> so fire department is all like ogling over her. And there's a couple of officers on scene that they didn't need to be there. Dude, it was a fender bender. And there's uh-huh. you know, like a million cops. You get the whole damn department that shows up because the text messages start flying about like, oh, come over here and check her out. <laughs> and all the married cops are standing there. And my husband just walks right in and just is himself. And she is like falling all over him because my husband's charming as hell and he doesn't realize it. He's like super nerdy and has no idea when someone's I can relate to, to this. Him. 
<laughs> but like you could you could throw yourself with no clothes on at my husband and be like, oh my God, you're so nice. Thank you so much. Like, can I help you get home? Like he doesn't even, he is so oblivious. I love him, but he really is oblivious. But he shows up and all the cops on scene are like, bro, isn't your wife going to be pissed? He's like, about what? And he's texting me like, oh, dude, I just saw this totally hot chick in a lifted truck. You would love her truck. And that's where he goes with it. Right. You know, but it, everybody on scene was just like falling all over her. And it's like, guys, hold on a second. Step mm-hmm. back and take mm-hmm. inventory of your life. Is it the persona that is leading you into this? Oh, 100%. Or, yeah. You know, would you do this if you were in like jeans and a t-shirt at like the local grocery store? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. I think the persona adds to that that aspect too, where you're not only putting on your uniform, you're putting on that persona. And with that persona comes that like Billy Badass you know, badassery type stuff. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes we fumble a little bit. Yeah. And just a quick side note on that. Like you also got to be careful. Cause like when someone's flirting with you on scene, they're distracting you from something else. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like I had, I made a car stop one time and the driver was like, Oh, you're cute. Look at, I'm like, I'm really not. How Give many warrants drop. you got? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like, listen, I know who I am. So don't, don't try to, like if 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 this was day off me, because I always say that I'm like Peter Parker, Spider Man. Like when I get in uniform, I'm Spider Man, but I'm really Peter Parker out over here. <laughs> and uh, you know, like don't 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 do this. <laughs> like give me give me the drugs and and let's go from there. So um, so guys, you know, I, I I really hope me saying this is not news to anybody, but avoid badge bunnies. Avoid feeling mm-hmm. like the knight in shining armor because. While yes, it is good to feel good about our job. That's not what I'm saying here. But when when the call breaks, remember what you're going home to. And that's something my now chief told me when he when I was in the academy and he was an instructor. He said, you know, you're gonna have the opposite gender or same gender throwing themselves at you at this job. Um, but don't forget what you have waiting for you at home. And that's the most important thing that uh, not most important, but one of the most important things he definitely taught me in the academy. Yeah. And I think that's that's key. I mean, you have to keep it in perspective. You have to, if if you want part of your persona to be that flirtatious officer friendly, knock yourself out. Just make mm-hmm. sure that you keep your hands to yourself because body cams are a bitch, folks. That too. That too. <laughs> and, and, and we are tracked by GPS for everything. There's a GPS in your body camera. There's a GPS in your car, whether you know it or not. So there's a GPS in your pocket every single day with your cell phone. So you're going to get caught. So don't, don't be stupid. That's, that's what we're going to leave that with. Um, yes. <laughs> all right. So uh, we had a great start to our conversation about mental health. Now we're going to go and go get our friends from Texas, DC and KP, and they are going to chime in with their two cents. So guys, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Put your head on my shoulder.
All right, and we are back, and joining me is KP and DC from Fit Cops. What's going on, guys? Hey. How you doing? Thanks for having us. Good. Absolutely. Thank you for joining me. And, of course, Stephanie is back with us again. And we are going to... And we are going to talk relationships and first responders and all that good stuff. So before we do all that, we'll let uh, the guests introduce themselves. So guys, go ahead. Tell us who you are and we'll go from there. You can introduce both of us. (laughs) (laughs) I need to go get a drink. My energy level is like down here. I need it to be like medium or high. (laughs) Well, obviously we are the uh, brains and brawn behind Fit Cops. Um, been doing that since 2014 and uh we've definitely had our fair share of trials and tribulations uh with that living rebelliously since 2014 yeah so <laughs> very cool so how long have you guys been in law enforcement i'm almost at my 13th year mark and I'm, okay. i'll hit 10 this year so okay so you guys got some skin in the game a little right. bit I right. So, you, so. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just for people who aren't aware or aren't familiar with you guys, you guys are together. You guys are a couple. That's yes. correct. Okay. How long have you guys been together? Four, four years. Yeah. About four years. In a yeah. relationship. Yeah. Since 2017. And besties for about eight now. Yeah. So. Okay. Very cool. So just for everyone listening, not familiar, there was a reason why I brought these guys in. First off, there is a page that I've been following forever. And uh, also because they kind of get what we're talking about this week. So that being said, I don't know. So I guess we'll start by talking about how has being a law enforcement officer or first responder affected your relationship at home or how does it affect it? Uh, presently or in the past? Cause those are <laughs> yes. all of the above. We'll start with presently and then we'll work backwards. Well, presently we're pretty fortunate because, uh, we work the exact same schedule. Um, and so we are always together essentially except for at work because we just work in opposite sectors. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, really the only time we're apart is at work. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's nice now, uh, because, you know, our department, we used to have a policy that if you were living together, you couldn't even work on the same shift. And that's been changed, uh, within the last like two years, I think. And so now that's not an issue. So luckily right now we're very fortunate. Yes. Okay. The department's going to be listening to this. I want them to note that that was a positive. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. So, say. <laughs> I know I'm going to hear about this later. So, <laughs> well, that's okay. Um, but that's good. I know a lot of agencies, uh, mine as well, if uh, you can't work together. Um, you can work the same schedule, so to speak, but you can't work together. And if you, let's say one was a supervisor and one wasn't, you can't be your significant other's subordinate. Right. Or, I totally agree with that. And, that and, makes sense. And that policy yeah. part of it is still there for us right. as well. Obviously you can't supervise your significant other, but. That would just be silly. Or like, a, <laughs> or like a brother. Yeah. Or related. Yeah. Yeah. So have there been any issues though with you guys working together as since you've been together? No. As as far as just you know, if things happen at work or things happen at home, do those things ever like clash? Is there ever an issue? No. Never. Uh, between we, between us and our relationship? No. 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 And we've been we've worked together for eight years now on deep nights, so it's 
it's like nothing has changed in that aspect. So. Gotcha. You know, something that, um, so you guys, so we'll work backwards now, I guess you guys obviously (laughs) been, huh? (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so you guys obviously weren't together the whole time. So have you had issues previous relationships when it comes to being a cop and, and all that? Yeah, I'll, you know, I'll say for me, uh, in my experience, my ex-wife was, you know, not um, in any type of law enforcement role, not, not in any type of shift work, you know, that is even comparable or anything like that. And, you know, I've worked nights my whole career because it's what I enjoy doing. And it did, you know, work out better for our family. So, you know, she just couldn't take the, you know, being on opposite schedules thing. And then that I think in shift work is where a lot of issues come in is just when, uh, you know, you only see your significant other. shaking her head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, when you only see your significant other on your days off. Right. Mm-hmm. What about it's Steph extremely hard. It's, yeah. it's super hard being on opposite shifts. And um, I just stepped away from being a full-time police dispatcher, 18 years in public safety this past end of July, beginning of August, um, because of COVID and the kids and all that other stuff. Um keeping them home. And so like staying home is new for me. Typically I worked shift work. I was in it right there with my husband, but you know, different departments, but same gig. Um, and it sucked, you know, it was like he was on third and then I was on days and then suddenly I was on third and he was on days. And then when he got promoted, then he went, um, he had to do a forced bid on mids and he was like badge one on patrol for 16 of his 17 year career. Mm-hmm. So he always got pick of the litter and it was mm-hmm. like, Oh honey, what shift should I go to this time? Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and it was always day shifts. So we had a normal life except for losing weekends and some holidays, but no one cares about that. Right. But yeah. when he got kicked to mids, I'm like, Holy shit, here's the culture shock. And it mm-hmm. sucked. Cause it's it, it, you're, it's like being single with a fancy wedding ring. It's just, it's bullshit <laughs> and it sucks. Yeah. Um, and now staying home, it's it's hard because he got forced to days, which I don't know what supervisor gets forced to day shift, but it happened for the first time in department history. And, um, naughty boy. Yeah, that's where, <laughs> they they want to watch Yeah. Oh, no, he's he's the, he's the golden child. They love him. He oh. is like the face of the PD. But maybe uh, that's why they wanted him with I, people that I were awake. They want him around. Exactly. Exactly. The lieutenants and the captains are like, oh, you're on day shift. This is great. And he walked in the other day and was like, well, enjoy, because I'm going back to third. And he bid third at the last minute. And so middle of February, he's going to go back to overnights. And and it's hard because now I have to keep the house quiet with yeah. four mm-hmm. screaming children. And it just, it adds a whole new level of spice to the relationship. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Another reason that neither one of us want to promote. Well, there's several, but that's definitely one. So kind of lose control of your schedule for a while because if you're in top seniority then you're back to the bottom of the ladder right. yeah, and not only that but then we would definitely be split up and- yeah and that was mm-hmm. a source of and uh, uh definitely what am i trying to say this would be, an, a, a, it would be definite a point of contention for them to be able to do puppet strings and make us miserable and so we're happy being on deep night patrol and that's that we're good with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so my, my dynamics a little bit different. My girlfriend lives three hours away. So, um, I only see her like once a month because, you know, when we, 
when we got together, we were on opposite shifts. Um, she's a dispatcher. I'm a cop. So we were on opposite shifts. And then eventually I was able to move my schedule and we were on the same shift and that was great. So our days off were the same. We could see each other more often. And then I got a new position at work, switched schedules, and now she got promoted, switched schedules. So it's always just that, yep. that, you know, moving the cups around and trying to find where you can make it work. And it's, it's very frustrating, very stressful. It adds to, adds more stress to an already stressful situation. But luckily you have this fancy video podcast that y'all can have phone sex through. <laughs> Get it like a quickie in real quick and then make sure it's not recording. Or <laughs> I mean, that, that's, for a, no. that's for the different podcast. Oh, y'all got a different podcast? No, <laughs> no, not quite. So Stephanie, what are some other issues that you've noticed through Project 109, like issues that cops will bring through the door that, you know, need to be addressed? First responders in general, not just cops, but um, right, right. First responders in general. I mean, we all come from we're all cut from the same cloth. We're all a bunch of type A personalities who are all very tightly wound and can't release control of anything. So um a lot of the issues that we see is, you know, primarily, so far, primarily guys that come in and say, you know, I have a problem with extracurriculars. Um, and I always chuckle and go, yeah, well, in this field, who doesn't at this point? Because um, it, it turns into a negative coping mechanism, coping mechanism. Um, and it it's a, a shitty coping skill that a lot of us just kind of naturally carry because it, it's all hormones and body physiology and all that stuff. And, and it just kind of circles back that we, we're so, and I, I tell our, our clients this, like it, it's, we're so used to being in chaos all the time that when we have quiet moments sitting in our cruiser or our fire truck or our ambulance or at our dispatch console um, or in prison, um, it's, it's shitty because we don't know what to do with ourselves. You right. We need to make mind, our own chaos. Your mind starts spinning. Yeah. And so you have to make your own organized chaos. You have to make your own, shitstorm basically and we're constantly chasing that living on the edge we're constantly chasing that what is next and mm-hmm. and you almost become subconsciously addicted to that um that mentality hmm. and i mean i've lived it i'm um i don't think i've ever mentioned it like on a national podcast before but <laughs> uh, i guess it's the first time for everything i mean hell i've lived that i've had moments where it's just like oh that looks kind of fun let's go do that for a little bit and it's not with the smartest person. It's not with someone you should be with. It's uh, generally with a work partner of some kind because you end up spending more hours a day with your work partner than you do, you know, with your actual partner at home. And and that's a running theme with a lot of the people that we see and that we talk to from all over the world um, that yeah. it, it doesn't, you know, it's not particular to one nationality or one type of setting or another. It's we're addicted to that chaos. And when you, mm-hmm. when you find a chaos that you can organize and set up and, and frame yourself, then that's something that you become um, comforted by. Yeah. So I've had tons of cops where they, you know, I would get to know their wife's first name and that's about it. And then you meet all their mistresses that come through the revolving door. And yeah. I had one officer, he's still one of my favorites to this day. Um, he had a chick for every day of the week. And his wife was reserved for like Friday, Saturday. And then he'd have, you know, a Sunday chick and a Monday chick and all the way through the week. And I'd have to know them all because they'd all call the PD and be like, oh, my God, is officer so-and-so there? I'm like, oh, what's your name? And if it was the wife's name, I'd have to be like, oh, my God, I fucked it up. 
And I have to look at my board and I'm like, oh shit, is he working right now? No. And then I pick up my phone and I'm texting him. I'm like, wherever you are, call your wife. And and I'd have to be like, oh, I'm sorry. He's out on a fatal crash right now. It's going to be a few hours, but I'll have him call you. And it's like, don't put me in this position. This right, sucks. right. You had to enable the bad activity. Exactly. But it well, is it is a negative coping skill. And it's it's something that we kind of develop by accident. And I think it happens to all of us at one point or another. Um, mm-hmm. And even just, even if you don't act on it, even if you're constantly just chasing that. I mean, you guys yeah. have, let's face it, you take an average looking human, boy, girl, in the middle, doesn't matter. You take an average looking human, you put a uniform on them and they automatically go from anything to a 10. Like it's automatic. Mm-hmm. You add a vest to that. Absolutely. It's like a million, a hundred percent. I love when my husband <laughs> walks in the door. If he's exactly. Time. Exactly. Oh exactly. He, uh, my husband, he works just one town over and we have to live here because we have to stay close to his service area. But like once in a while, he'll forget something and stop home. And he'll like shoot me a text because when he works overnight, he'll send me a text and he'll be like, oh, if you see a spotlight or you hear a car door, it's just me. I forgot to grab dinner or whatever. And like, I'll purposely like open the door and I'm like peek and I'm like, oh, there he is. Like, it's that view of, oh, God, I love my husband in uniform. But then he comes home and he's normal. And I'm like, oh, OK, well, I like my husband. I think it happens to everybody, though. And, and when you get people that throw themselves at you, it becomes like um, like a high and, and it feeds that persona. Maybe that's different with us because I like I prefer her with her clothes off. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably pretty much everybody. <laughs> we never play the cop bedroom stuff. I think that is like worn out. Maybe it's worn out for us because we are cops and that's no fun. It's not attractive to us. Like, right, right. It just reminds you of work and all the gross people you encounter. Right. You want me to put you in handcuffs? Ugh, gross. Let me sanitize them <laughs> first. But yeah. I think it really is that it, it comes back to that um, – chasing that chaotic piece and sometimes you make the wrong decision and you end up chasing that with the wrong person who's not your significant other or it's just not a smart candidate for that role for you um and i think it it screws with a lot of relationships because yeah it it makes a marriage really hard to keep at home and yeah from the the home standpoint because being a wife like i i never worry about my husband i mean i've worked in police i grew up in the police department like i've I don't know anything else. So it's not a big deal. I know the shenanigans and bullshit that goes on behind closed doors. I'm not stupid, but my husband is the least likely candidate to like pull any of that extracurricular crap because he just, it's, he's just not that kind of person. And I know every wife says that, but like he truly isn't. And, but there's still moments where like, you know, stories will crop up or people will start talking and I'm like, Oh my God, well, I'm friends with his dispatchers and he says he's working. Like, let me just do like a quick spot check, like a quality. Right. Especially, <laughs> especially cause you've been in that seat, you know, about exactly. dispatchers covering for dispa- mm-hmm. for the cops. Uh, I saw well, text. Like, Stephanie's like out in the bushes somewhere, like doing <laughs> like that's that bitch that texted my husband about <laughs> whatever, you know? Yeah, I used I used to definitely probably be going in that direction of that kind of person. Now I, my husband and I have been married long enough. I'm like, if you want to go look at hot chicks, knock yourself out. Like, just don't bring any of them. Home. <laughs> you. That's drama. You're the kind of wife that I love. <laughs> I just I give up. It's just like you know what I've been there, done that. If you don't want to be with me and you want to be with somebody else, then just please go do it. Like, just just go yeah. do it, and then don't make drama about it. Yeah. But I think. 
when the you when those coping mechanisms on your, on your uh nonprofit it's gonna be your husband. I'm just kidding. I'm so kidding. He's <laughs> like I have an issue. <laughs> I'm to you. I've already divorced you. No, I'm just okay Stephanie, it's, I have to I've had this and tell me what you think. Because this yeah. topic brought up something interesting that I've always said for like years now. Is that I feel like cops misbehave sexually sometimes, maybe because it's like a we're so controlled by the government. And everything that we do, like everything is completely controlled almost in our lives that the only place that they really can't, well, they can, and they will put their two cents in because I'll have a story after this, um, <laughs> but is your bedroom, you know, it's like, as long as you're not doing anything, like sex is something that they can't. Yeah. We control. talked about this on our podcast <clears throat> is, you know, I mean, there so many departments have so much control over everything you do okay. right like I mean, there's a policy for yes. everything and some some well hold on moreover there's a there's a reason that policies are created <laughs> yeah. and yeah and you know social media is a big one with that where a lot of departments even somehow i don't know how the fuck they get away with it but control like what you can and can't post or what you can and can't say and it's like i'm yeah. sorry wait i'm still a human being i still I still have rights. Yeah. Like I can say things. Yeah. Uh, and and a lot of people we talk to them all the time yeah. who are just like, like oh, my department would fire me if I said that. And I'm yeah. like, they will, huh? Yeah. They do how? Yeah. Like so. It happens. But you know, sex and in the bedroom and you know who you sleep with and how you sleep with them and things like that. That's. I think you're right, and I think that's why when it gets to that or or talking to someone that. <laughs> whatever we're flirting. Uh, that's why we kind of go a little crazy because there is no control on that. And cops or, or military, you know, are so used to being regimented and this is how things right. go. And, you know, when you get that, or even, you know, we can go and talk about drinking mm -hmm. or, or things like that. There's a lot more openness, you know, it's like, Oh, the, the arrow has been flung. Like, you know, we can, we can do, go do these things yeah. and suddenly, you know, you're speeding down a dark tunnel figuratively i mean well i think it i think it has more to do um i mean you just touched on it by lack of supervision um i think if you look at it from the flip side it's that authority role you're in that authoritative role so you you kind of subconsciously start to take on that level of persona and you're like well who's gonna tell me no i'm gonna go out and do this because i can yeah and and mm -hmm. you get that like big ball syndrome where it's like well she's hot or he's hot i'm gonna go do that and then after, or because during, I can exactly. And then after or during, you're like, ah, oh, shit. Like this is probably mm. not the way to do this. Yeah. And we used to joke that you know when one of my officers would walk in, I'd be like, oh, why the long face? And all he'd have to say is dumpster fire. And that was our code for he picked up some badge bunny somewhere that wasn't gonna like release her talons. <laughs> oh lord. And lo and behold, one of my officers has a kid with said individual, and oh. it's like you know oh, no. th that's that's when poor decisions rise to the occasion of, I think I have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily. I mean, I, I would hope that I wouldn't have to suffer from those types of poor decision-making in the future because I, I can make my poor decisions with DC. So, wow. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's the goal. That's the goal to, you know, take this. And I've talked about this in a previous episode. Like we have this need for dopamine and we're such thrill seekers that, you know, what, what we want or where we get our dopamine from is gets more and more perverse and extreme. 
but if we can finally find a partner where we don't need to go looking for that strange on the side of the street, you know what I mean? If you find a partner that really does it for you, that's the goal. And, And if you're not happy, then be a, be an adult and accept that and find someone or something that does make you happy and gives you the dopamine that you yeah. want. But I think you build and, a tolerance to it though. It's like, you know, if you take any type of medication at a certain dose for a prolonged time, yeah. you build a tolerance to that. Now you need more of it. And I think that dopamine dump, it, it now goes from, Oh, like let's just, you know, watch the hot girl on the larceny case, get back into her fucking fancy car to, well, now let's go do things. And I think you always mm-hmm. have to one up yourself and you end up kind of climbing that ladder of doom <laughs> and right. y- y- you need more of an input to be able to, to get that dopamine dump that actually gives you the effect that you're looking for. And I think that's why it becomes a downward spiral and not just, Oh, I'm, I made a bad decision and this is where I stay. It becomes like a, a true downward motion spiral where you start doing more and more bad things and more and more stupidity starts to kind of creep into your daily life. And you look back and wake up one day and realize like, where did I go wrong? What just happened? Mm -hmm. And hopefully you have the, and seven different kids and, you know, (laughs) just get a different. That's what we do. (laughs) Living our best lives now. So, so Stephanie, like what are, you guys made a great segue. Like what are the things that, that cops say or first responders? I'm sorry, but I'm just so used to saying cops. Yeah. What are the things that first responders come to you with issues? I mean, this is, and I'm sure that the issues with their marriage has something to do with some kind of repressed feeling that they haven't felt comfortable getting out with their partner or getting out beyond their own brain. I think some of it, um, there's a, a couple of things. It's a, it's that um, my partner doesn't understand me. So, you know, I feel scattered or I feel invalidated or emasculated or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's um, kind of another component to it that you're in control all the time at work and you don't want to have to make decisions and be that controlling figure when you come home. Um, mm-hmm. So sometimes that's an issue for couples. Um, at the same time, there's the different layers of control. You get people um, when they get to work that they have to be in control because they're a supervisor or, a, you know, an upper level commander or just that authoritarian. If that's not their standard personality type when they take off their police persona or their first responder persona. Um, so they need certain needs fulfilled and whether it's, you know, physical or not, it doesn't matter. You need certain needs across the board fulfilled. And if you're not hitting those marks, that's going to leave a void and that's going to cause turmoil. So I think when there's people who go to work as well that are forced into a position of control, they they can't exert themselves or assert themselves is the better word um, in a way that like feeds their soul. So they need to do that when they get home, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. And I think if you don't have a partner that meshes right. with whatever it is that you need, that's where some of the divide comes. Or you just have really shit communication and you don't know how to communicate mm-hmm. with one another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that I'm really glad you said that one. Cause that was my issue. Um, like I said, my girlfriend's a dispatcher. She understands the the realm and the, the world in which we live and work. Obviously KP and DC, you guys work for the same department. So you really guys get it hundred percent. And then Stephanie and, and your husband, you guys are kind of on the cut from the same cloth too. But my issue was my, my brain was always, Oh, she won't understand. So I never brought up the issues that I was bringing home with me. So I would just, 
internalize it. And then when we weren't together, it would manifest into things that it shouldn't be. But then once I was called out on the carpet about it, it was kind of like, oh, I can talk about this and she will understand. And I think that's the important thing to realize is that your partner probably understands more than you know. And if they don't, that's something that you have to assess as well. Well, my thought too on, I mean, cops are some of the worst communicators and you think that it wouldn't be that way because we spend so much of our time talking, right? But everything that we spend our time talking about either with people on the street or within the walls of the department is essentially it either is or isn't against the law and it is or isn't against policy. And it's very, everything's just very black and white. And so in order for us to solve these problems on the street or solve these problems internally, it's like, okay, does it fit within this box? No. Then, you know, you you could make your little flow chart that is extremely short of how to solve a problem. And that's exactly what we're taught, you know, in academy and field training and blah, blah, blah. Does it fit within these groups? And then, okay, this is how you handle it. And then you're done. Right. And in relationships, it's not like that. There, there is no flow chart, right? Because you have to, now you have to mitigate another person's feelings. You have to mitigate their emotions. You have to validate those things and empathize and sympathize and do all these other things that you don't necessarily have to do on the street. Now, I mean, if you're a really good cop, you, you will, right. And you get further talking to people on the street like that, but you don't have to do those things. That's one thing you said Mm -hmm. you learned from me. Yes. Yeah. I, so just give me some props real quick. (laughs) She wants to pat herself on the back. I do. I would like, it's true in our relationship. What I've realized is and and how I've become better is guys are so programmed, especially at, okay, well, we have to fix stuff, right? That's what we do. That's our gender role. And so when our significant other comes to us and is like, oh, I had a shit day at work, X, Y, Z, these are the things that happen. Then (laughs) what we immediately do in our fucking brains is go, well, this is how you need to fix that. Right. And Uh she's smart enough. She doesn't need me to fix yeah, it I can't for her punch so-and-so in the face that's not legal what? So how else- <laughs> but what she wants me to do is go i i get that i'd feel the same like that's you know that sucks like you you're not crazy for feeling that and way now tell me she just wants to be she just wants to feel validated right she wants to know that her feelings are are legitimate and genuine we want to vent and be heard yeah that's, and that's it that's the difference and guys guys can't do that right i mean look, look at all the you stuff do. I'm just in it generally. Look at all the stuff we do, right? Like you're brought up as a kid. You like hunt. You like blah, learn blah, how blah. to fix cars. You Whatever it is, right? Like you have a problem in front of you and you have to solve it. It's like fucking vanilla ice, you know? If, there, if, there, if there's a problem, you want to solve it. There's a book out there. It's called The Five oh Love God. Languages and it's written by Gary Chapman. Right. And... That book has saved more freaking marriages than I can personally count. And that's just in my own social circle. I read it once and I gave it to one of my cops who then gave it to two other cops who then recommended it to the rest of the department. And all of a sudden now Mm -hmm. everybody's talking about this book. And because determining the, the communication language between you and your partner. So whether you have a first responder partner or not, it's you have to have a layer of effective communication and everyone has to feel somewhat right. fulfilled to then feel safe. And the right. only way you're going to communicate about your workday or really dive into the the issues that you're facing as a first responder yourself is if you feel safe. So it all kind of has this domino effect. 
-hmm. And by determining the love language that you communicate with and what you prefer, like what your own personal language is, you can kind of figure out how to plug into each other a little bit better and a little more effectively so that you can express yourself in all of these different ways. And however that looks for, you know, a couple or an individual or whatever. Um, But I found that that was like a, a big determining factor in even just my own marriage, you know, dual first responders trying to face each other. We both are riddled with PTSD from just horrendously colorful careers. And it sometimes it gets difficult, you know, talking and we both kind of shut down and we both have to come back and remember, okay, how do we effectively communicate with each other on a surface level to then be able to dig in and actually process some of this stuff. And not, not everyone, not every couple can do that. Not every couple has the tools set up just yet to be able to do that. Well, I would even go a step further than that. And, you know, cause the love language thing is great, you know, and, and it's, and it's broken down into those five simple categories and it's hard though, if you are um, like, for instance, like her and I, we're, we're both big on the quality time and, and physical touch, right? Both of us mm-hmm. are like gifts is at the very bottom of the barrel. Right. But if you are like me and then you're with someone who is gifts is like their number one thing. I look at gifts. I'm like, that's fucking stupid. Like I don't, it's hard to want to do that for someone, even though when it's theirs. So another thing that I would say beyond the five love languages is doing like the actual, like Briggs Myers personality test and like understanding exactly what you are. And then what your partner is, because that tells you even more specifically how they communicate, how they like to communicate. And, uh, you know, then they can get rid of at least Tuesday, Wednesdays and Fridays. Slut. Like, Sorry, you don't match my personality. You're fucking nuts. I'm going to need to nix you from the schedule. But devil's right, advocate. I'm, a- I'm not saying you're wrong at all by any means. I completely agree. But devil's advocate, food for thought. If like DC, if you think gifts are stupid and your partner, hypothetically, that's like her primary love language. He got rid of her. So. Yeah, exactly. He get rid of her and go find you. But, but to some degree, you have to, you have to come part way. And I think cops in particular, and some of the issues that I see a lot, cops in particular do not like to leave their comfort bubble. They do not like to come that's their way of their partner. Right. They don't like to compromise. And that alone will feed negative energy into a relationship, even if. And that's going to cause you to step out and find somebody that fits that box, even if it's not a, a good kind of mesh across the top. But you're going to try to look for what you're not. Yeah, I think agree. a lot of times, I think a lot of times, cops in particular, and I, I'm not stereotyping. That's not my intention. It's going to sound like that, but I promise that's not the intent. Cops in general, because they don't like to leave their little comfort bubble. If they get challenged at all, where there's any level of friction at home, forget it. Now they're going to be like, well, let me go find some submissive chick that's going to throw herself yeah. at me and do everything I say in the Why order that I say have- it and not say a oh. word about it. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's the other component in addition to the negative coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. I think that's the additional piece as well is cops in general by nature, not all of them. Guys, I'm not saying that you're all the same, believe me, but just in in general nature of the type A personality specific to law enforcement, you guys don't like to play nice with others. You don't like to play in the sandbox and share your I toys. So nice with others. They don't like to play nice with me, Stephanie. <laughs> no. 
I'm well, it's all about personal and defensive about this statement that you just made. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's it's true. It's you know you don't want to be stressed the heck the the heck out at work and then go home and be stressed the fuck out when you walk yeah. in the door, and you just want to be able to go somewhere where it's like you know, bitch, I told you, and it's you don't want to yeah. have all that no, that no. crap dealing. You know, you want to have something that is fun. You want to have some level of. Yeah like feeding your soul. And I'm not saying that, you know, they're good things, but I think that's, that's part of that spiral that people yeah. end up in. Definitely. Is, little, I just little wives across the nation are going to be like going super sleuth now and checking their husband's phones. I know. It's and I feel so bad about that. erupt from this podcast. But it happens. I mean, and it does. It just, it, it's common. It is extremely common yeah. in any profession that, has shift work. I think it's funny because people think that traumatic shift work though control, like we are control freaks, but I don't think that people actually understand from inside the cop's mind that I don't know about you guys, but as the years have gone on, this environment has become like so electrified. I mean, one touch and you're just fucked. Like you're totally fucked. And it's so stressful. Every step, every minute of this job has become so stressful that I think it just, I don't think that cops can handle any more stress outside of it, especially coming from Mm -hmm. someone that is not willing to understand or not willing to put forth the effort to understand or, you know, I I don't know. That's just me, but. Something, something has to give, something's got to be easy in this life for us. That's, I agree completely. Exactly. George and I have ended up in, I mean, we've gone to marriage counseling. You know, we've had just ups and downs like everybody does. And we've gone to marriage counseling and our marriage counselor told us, like, you may think the other's love language is fucking stupid, but if y'all want to save your marriage, you need to embrace it. You know, thankfully, George and I, we have similar love languages so we can communicate fairly easily. It's just a matter of now we have to put in the effort. Right. And that's what I meant about. Uh, Do you see what to follow up on what he said? Because Stephanie thinks that that was stupid what you said. (laughs) No, she's putting words in my mouth, but she looks cute about it, so I can't be mad. Like <laughs> what, I, what I meant by that is that if that's the only mentality you take towards it is like you know gifts are fucking stupid, then you're not ever going to be able to make that other person happy. Correct. If you know what they need, you can't give it, and that's where you yeah. have to decide. That's where you have to decide: is this important enough? is this person important enough to me uh, that I can find time to do the things the way that they want them done? Yeah. Or do I need to move along? Yeah. And not to change the well, topics, but Stephanie, you might, you might hear this and I don't know. I'm interested to see if you do hear this in your job. Do you hear a lot of complaints about the current climate of law enforcement and that leading to a lot of stress and depression? Do you hear yeah. that on your end? Yes, one hundred percent. And and I'll go one further. I see that in myself. Yeah, um, it's it's hard. My husband, you know, he comes home and just sits down, and you can just see like mm-hmm. he's just tightly wound. And he's usually not like he's the most happy go lucky dude. Usually, people look at him and think he's like the IT nerd. Mm-hmm. When he says I'm a cop, people are like, No, you're not. And it's he he has this new air about him, and it's not good. And yeah, it's it's tough because now he kind of. I don't know. I think the law enforcement community is under fire and has been for a long time. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, even it's definitely reaching the fever pitch. Yes. Though. Yeah. 
For but sure. even George and I, who, you know, with Project 109, we deal with mental health stuff. We're not clinicians, but we deal with mental health stuff on a peer level. And and it's hard. Like, our own mental health is teetering right now. Mm-hmm. And I'll admit that mm-hmm. 100%. You know, the 109 phone rings and I'm in the middle of crying because of you know, videos that surfaced on Facebook. And now I'm like mentally inserting my husband into that going, what if, what if, what if? And, mm-hmm. you know, all of a sudden the 109 phone rings and it's a client that is having a struggle similar or something completely different. And they're in the throes of something and, and they're like, well, I need help and I don't know what to do. I have to pick myself up off the floor and yeah. and handle it. And it's just like what you guys go through on the road right now is you're in your mm-hmm. cruiser on the downtime going, holy shit, what if, what if, what if? Yeah, And all of a sudden well, your car gets called and it's, well, go to this, that, and the other thing. And, and it compounds mental health right now is really, really sliding and it's scary. Yep. Yeah. I had a, uh, you know, I go see my family and my, my young nephew aspires to be a police officer. And he always asks me questions about, Oh, what you do at work, whatever. I used to love talking about it and I would you know try to keep him. And now it's like, I'm telling him a story in the back of my head. I'm like, is it even worth it? Like, you know, yeah, I chased down this guy and I made this nice arrest and it looked really good, but is it worth it? Or like you get out with somebody who's got a bad attitude and you're like, all right, this is going to go really bad. Is it worth it? Like what, what is the end result here? If we get in a fight, if it escalates to the use of force, is it worth it? Is what, whatever, you know, dime bag he has in his pocket that he's fighting over. Is it, is it worth it? And it's like, when you have that downtime that Stephanie's talking about, you're like, you know, why, you know, and, and we're, everybody is kind of like second guessing everything right now. And, and I love this job. I love doing it. And I love the results that come from it, but it's like, it's that is the juice worth the yeah, squeeze at the moment? So well, I think where a lot of us have problems is, is the shutting it off when your shift is over part. And right. You know, if you don't have something else that, you know, you can turn to that you can escape uh, everything, you know, because if you go home and you just get on social media and watch a bunch of use of force videos, and like, mm-hmm. go, you know, you yeah. go down that social media rabbit hole and all that and you're never shutting this stuff off and, you know, you go to sleep stressed out, you wake up stressed out, you go into work stressed out and then it's yeah. like, that's the whole point of Fit Cops was we wanted to create something different and positive and something that was real, like actually real. Mm -hmm. And we do. And there's still, I mean, this, this current, Charlie, I met you through this This current environment and current culture. If civilians were to be aware of what actually occurs inside of this thin blue line, they would be fucking appalled. Yeah. They would be appalled. I don't even have another word for it. How how people treat each other inside of this. No, but but you guys are absolutely right. Like, it's one thing to tease each other, but we all have to re- realize that we're all in this together. And especially now, you know, especially now that like everybody hates yeah. law enforcement. Everybody hates it. It's it's publicly, it's it's more of a. Um, it's cool, trendy. Oh, it is cool. It is cool. And if someone comes up to you and goes, "Hey, man, just want to let you know, I support what you do." It's like a secret. Like people come up to me all the time and they're like, Hey, just want to let you know, fuck those other guys. I support. It's, what like, you they're, do. it's like, like they're passing you like a little fucking eight ball in a baggie. Well, yeah. Cause a lot of people can't even, it's like, you can't even wear a thin blue line or, or like fly a thin blue line flag. Like that's a, that's a racist thing now. It's like, no, it's come on. Really? So that being said, we really need to support each other and, and stop talking all this shit. And, 
you know, I'll still tease everybody because that's just, you know, that's my coping mechanism, but I don't mean any harm by it. Um, but we need to build each other up. We need to build each other's, you know, if you're, if you're, if your side hustle is, you know, fit cops, if it's a TikTok thing, whatever, just talk shit if you want, but don't, don't be too negative about it. You know what I mean? It's because at the end of the day, we are all on the same team, which is what I was saying. But earlier. even just police wives, like yeah. being a wife, I mean, the keyboard warriors of uh, that are other police wives oh, Lord. are insane. Like it's, that is a breed of human that I have never, ever, ever like encountered before because I was like one of the hated ones as a first responder because wives, <laughs> I well, that's the problem. I've come to, I've been taught um, with a rude awakening that other wives don't like dispatchers, especially, or other female mm-hmm. counterparts mm-hmm. to their husband. They just don't. And it doesn't matter if you're a police wife too. So like in your, you know, side hustle, you're a police wife and your primary hustle, you're a dispatcher or right. a cop or a medic or whatever. They don't like you. Like you're not police wife enough to be a part of the police wife support group, but you're not first responder enough to be a part of the first responder group. So you're stuck in no man's land Aww. and it's bullshit. Mm. And and it That's sucks because those women, there's one particular Facebook group that I'm a part of that I just, I now silently just stay on the sidelines. You just um, got to stay in there and watch it, make sure they don't talk shit about you. I have several. No, I just, I do it for entertainment purposes at this point, oh. just to watch them like self implode. And I, I hate to say that, but like, I've tried to insert myself and I've tried to jump in on the conversations and I've tried and, and because I am not a, um, a original police wife where like I was you know inducted into this role as just a police (laughs) wife and that's Mm -hmm. it I came the back door way by apparently taking role of badge bunny and marrying a cop it's god it's strange and it's It's I don't know it's I feel bad the warrior thing is legit and wives tear each other down (laughs) those wives I, I just love them to death but you know so this has all been really important and really good. I think we've talked about a lot as far as like what, you know, nobody that is sitting here in this little uh, open forum is a marriage counselor or relationship counselor by any stretch of the imagination. Stephanie kind of has an in, but but I think, you know, we're just real people that have experienced these things for real. And it's good to have these conversations. So I really want to thank KP DC and Stephanie for talking about it with me. Um, and hopefully everybody that has listened or is going to listen will be like, oh, you know, these guys make really good points. I really need to work on communicating with my significant other, or maybe I got to stop doing this stuff off duty that, you know, that's going to get me jammed up one way or another. So yeah. I think we really covered a lot of things. I thought this was going to be a lot more painful. When really? I saw your, your topic, Cop of Love, I was immediately suspicious and I was like, oh no, what could they have? <laughs> They're so pleasant. Good, good. And, and that's have you both on our podcast when we kick it off and we'll talk all sex subjects. Perfect. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> was like, <"Ew." laughs> oh, no, I don't care. I'm hell, whatever. <laughs> I've lived it. I've been there, done that more than likely. Whatever. We'll have plenty so, of questions for y'all. Okay. There you go. Well, um, again, I appreciate you guys coming and uh, hanging out. KP and DC, go ahead and, um, if you have anything else you want to add or or plug your social media, whatever you want to do, go for it. Oh, well, I think everybody knows where to find us. Uh, we Probably. are the notorious fit cops for sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Sweet. So again, thank you so much for joining us, Stephanie. Uh, thank you for you know co-hosting it with me. We're gonna close it out in just a minute, but uh, we'll be right back, guys. You must have done something really bad to buy two bouquets of flowers, the guy at Costco says to me. Swear to God. Checking out at Costco. You must have done something really bad to buy two bouquets of flowers. Fellas, what kind of fucked up society are we creating? What kind of jacked up relationships are we building when the first thought process, the first words, the first idea in a man buying flowers is that he's in trouble, that they're, that they're asking for forgiveness. I looked at him and I said, really? Like that's your mentality with me buying flowers? I said, no, I'm buying a bouquet for my daughter and a bouquet for my girlfriend just because I want to show them that I love them. The lady behind me, I swear to God, you can't make this stuff up. I wish my husband thought like that. You guys wait for a day on a calendar to tell you when to buy flowers. Think that through for a second. You value your fishing pole, which is why well, you buy a nice case for it and you take care of it and you hang it up. You value your hunting rifle, so you put it in a safe and you take care of it and you clean it and oil it. And yet, we don't fucking invest in our relationships, fellas. You want your princess, your daughter, to grow up to be a queen and find a good man. How about you be a good fucking man? How about you show her? How about you treat her mother with respect? How about you show your daughter that you value her and you invest in that relationship? How about you show your daughter and your sons that you value their mother and you invest in that relationship of five, six, seven, eight, ten dollar bouquet of flowers every now and again? Fellas, Ladies don't really give a shit about the flowers. Ladies care about the thought process that you go through when you spend $5 or $7 on a bouquet of flowers. Fellas, what you value, you invest in. Oh, but Sean, that's so easy for you to say you have money. Motherfucker, you go out and buy a rock star and a Red Bull four, five, six days a week and you can't you can't go buy a fucking thing of flowers? Oh, you're too prideful, I got it. Fellas, it's just, it's, it's fucking pathetic, man. It's pathetic that a guy at a grocery store, his first comment is that I must be in trouble. That's how his fucking broken ass mind thinks. My mind walks through Costco and I see flowers and I say, invest. Fellas, step your game up, man. Step your game up. And once again, thank you to KP and DC from Fit Cops for their time and uh, giving us their insight on relationships and, you know, what it takes to make relationships work. And that clip you just heard was Sean Whalen talking about investing 
in our relationships like we do our hunting rifles or our, our bodies, you know, we, we spend all this money on supplements and, and diet plans and things like that. And then you look at your relationship and your relationship's starving. And I am far from a relationship expert. You know, I, I've been very open this episode about my screw ups and, you know, the recovering scumbag, which I, I got to make that like a sticker or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I've, um, it's something that we really need to do. If something is important to you, you invest your time and your effort into it. Not even money. Like you don't have to buy anything. That's not the point. Um, Stephanie, you were talking during the interview about the five love languages. Um, my girlfriend showed me that book or she showed me the concept. I haven't read the book itself, but you know, it's the internet. I can find Go everything. read the book. I know. I know. <laughs> Let me add to the mountain of books on my coffee table. Um, but no, I understand the concept. I understand the theory and I've really believed in it. And it's definitely helped our relationship being three hours apart and, and, you know, entering our third year of being together. So it's obviously worked. Um, so Stephanie, what kind of tactics, ideas, investments would you recommend people do with their significant other, especially those though, that are first responders? Oh, God, I am by no means a therapist. Let me just preface it with that. Um, but actually, one thing that I'm working with my therapist on, um, she showed me a whole bunch of like clinical proof and like clinical studies and stuff um, for like an affection concept where um, if you kiss for at least six nonstop seconds, and it's awkward as hell, I will completely admit that. But if you just like touch lips together in a kissing position for six straight seconds, like six Mississippis, um, that it will initiate like a, an actual, like, I don't know if it's dopamine or what, but like a, a hormone dump within your body and your brain, um, to initiate calm and to initiate that connection, or you can hug for 20 straight seconds. Mm -hmm. And the other night I caught my husband actually counting out loud one Mississippi, two Mississippi. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God, shut the hell up. But, right, um, right. And she's, my therapist is on my ass all the time. She's like, did you do your homework this week? Did you hug at least 20 seconds every night? And because of that calming effect, um, and it does foster that connection. Um, so it, it, you don't have to invest money. You just have to invest intention. I think that's the biggest thing is you have to have the intention of building your relationship. Relationships may start out easy because generally they start with lust or a bad decision or trying to do the opposite of a bad decision, whatever the start is. Um, like I met my husband on match. We intended to meet each other to some degree, but we, you have that instant connection, but that instant connection isn't going to be there forever. You still have to build things to foster it. You still have to invest in your relationship. Um, and like you just said, like, it doesn't always have to be money. I think you just have to invest the time. You have to invest the intention, set the intention that, you know, I'm going to spend X number of minutes, hours, days, whatever, with my significant other, we're going to go and do X, Y, and Z together, or we're going to determine each other's love language and figure out how to make that work. Um, you know, try new things, go do new things, go take new trips, um, cook for each other. Mm -hmm. You know, if like if you come home, if you know, say you, you and your girlfriend live together or even if you just went and stayed for a weekend, like cook for her for once. Or if you guys if you always do the cooking, have her cook for you, like have a, a like a role reversal with like basic everyday things um, that it just can show your appreciation for one another and take stress off of each other and 
you got to switch it up. You can't get stagnant. You can't get boring. That's the scariest part. Um, and that's when bad things start happening and bad choices start getting made. You have to fulfill each other, fulfill, fulfill yourself. Um, and if you don't know how to fulfill yourself, do some research, take some online quizzes, like get to know yourself a little bit, you know, hell marriage counseling, you know, anything, Mm -hmm. talk to friends, whatever, um, figure out kind of ways to fit together a little bit better and, and set the intention to do that. Put your phones down, put down the social media, walk away from things for a little while and just really devote a chunk of time to each other, even if it's only 15 minutes at a time, you know, just don't let it get old. Don't let it get stagnant and um, build a layer of trust, build that foundation where you guys can talk to each other when you get home so that you're not out, you know, fishing or trolling for your Tuesday Mm -hmm. chick. Um, You know, just, I don't know, I think it's all about intention. Yeah, absolutely. And it's about just taking the time. Um, Back to Sean Whalen, his book, and I've talked about it before. He actually has a chapter about building stronger relationships. And, you know, he's like, one of the things that he recommends is like setting a time and a a place like each month that you are going to do something significant for your significant other. And like, you know, so when I read that, I was like, oh, that's easy enough. So I went to my phone, put in my calendar, like on this day, every month, I'm going to do X. And, you know, I don't do it every, you know, every 11th, you know, or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't have to keep it that regimented, but it's a reminder to myself at least to, you know, make the effort. And if you need the reminder, great. And if you don't, that's even better, but it's a good, it's a good thing. Like, cause life is busy. You know, some days you may forget, Oh, you know, did I do this? And it's, it's hard for me or anybody that doesn't live with their significant other to keep things that regular and that current just because literally live in two different lives. Um, so that's just one thing. Um, there's plenty of things that we can do that don't cost money that, you know, just kind of go with life. And if you're having issues with your significant other, talk to them. That's the big thing. Um, if you're having issues at work, and you don't think they'll understand, talk to them. And if they don't understand, make them understand. And then there's always that that thing that, you know, maybe it's not a compatible match. All things that you need to consider. And we were, we ended the conversation talking about like, we need to support each other. We need to be happy. We need to, you know, things are hard enough as it is. We don't need, you know, life away from work to be as difficult as work is. So do be proactive in making yourself and your home life happy and healthy, whatever that means, whether it means, you know, making things work with your significant other or going separate ways, which is an unfortunate conversation, but unfortunately it's a conversation that may need to be had. Your home life and your relationship should be your safe place, not running away from it to get away from. So if you wake up feeling like, you know, I need to, I'm stressed out at home. I need to leave home to not be stressed out. That's kind of your starting point. You need to take a look at and take inventory of what is making me stressed out. And it may take you days, weeks, months, whatever to figure it out, but you need to start that process. Yes, absolutely. And so don't this end is... it until you know for sure. Don't just run away and be like, nope, right. screw this, I'm out. You know, put yeah. in the effort and determine what is the cause of my stress. Yes, that's that's a very good point. Um, first responders are, you know, we're problem solvers. And the people that we have problems solving our problems the worst are our own. Um, don't just you know, control alt delete and get out of it, make it work, you know, take the time, take the effort. Um, nothing worth having comes easy. So just remember that. And I think, uh, 
this is a very different podcast for me. I'm way out of my comfort zone. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't really, um, meddle in other people's relationships and I've never been a relationship issue. Like, Hey, I got a question, but you know, it's, it's a real conversation and hopefully I think this will spark a conversation. And Stephanie, I think we're probably going to have to revisit this in, in a few months and, uh, you know, see, I, I've always enjoyed when we have our conversations that the, the feedback we get back from it is like, Oh my God, I'm so glad you talked about that. Like the, the dispatcher episode, I can't tell you, I'm still getting messages about like, Oh my God, I'm so glad you finally talked to a dispatcher. Like that's exactly what I was feeling. And uh, someone was like, you know, I'm going to check this out, but if you're talking shit on dispatchers, we're going to have problems. And then the conversation happens like, Oh my God, that was so great. So I think that's going to happen with this. I think uh, people are going to hear this and be like, Oh my God, that's the issue I've had with my spouse or that's, you know, the issue I'm having at, with myself. Um, so I think once that comes, we'll, we'll have to revisit. Um, so we're going to, we're going to call it for the night. Um, we definitely, like I said, we, we touched on a lot of the good things. Thank you to my guests. The music information is going to be in the description because I still haven't figured out what we're going to do for music just yet at this moment in time. So, uh, for those of you guys who don't know, which I think everybody does at this point, but, uh, we are project 109. Um, we are, a, a wellness mental health support resource type organization for first responders. Um, we are Connecticut based, but we'll deal with anybody anywhere because we are online. And as long as you have an internet connection and some form of device to get on said interwebs, you can access our stuff at www.project109.org. Um, we have a fantastic chaplain um, with some faith-based stuff and we've got um, some great resiliency resources and addiction stuff. Um, we've got a counselor that we're affiliated with and a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, and we've got a pretty active social media presence on Instagram, project.109 on Insta. Um, and I think it's the project 109 on Facebook. Oh, and we have hoodies and shirts and all that stuff coming out. I know I've been saying that for the last, I think, two episodes, but um, it is happening this week. We are putting the order in for the first pieces to then get on models and put pretty pictures up for everybody. So um, I think the design, the design is super sick. And all you SWAT junkies out there, this is for you. Very nice. I can't wait for it. Um, Our next episode together is going to be in April. Um, When I was planning my episodes for March, I totally just, I had a lot of people want to be involved. You know, the more this show gets out, the more people want to talk to me about different things. So anyway, uh, first week of April, we are going to have a conversation about line of duty deaths. That's going to be another tough conversation that I know nothing about, but my guests uh, will. Um, I've already spoke to Lamont Corker. He was my guest on episode two. He's going to be talking and we're going to get a couple other people to talk about it. This is a, it's going to be a tough one, but it's going to be an important one, which everything that I do with Stephanie is important. And they're, you know, if they're tough conversations, that's okay. I'm okay with that. You know, and uh, it kind of breaks from the humor and the the lightheartedness of everything else. And, but our conversations still end up having some lightheartedness to it. And it's, it's good. It's, it's healthy. Um, So once again, I want to thank Stephanie for hanging out with me. This is my first ever co-hosted episode, like the entire thing. So I think it went pretty well. And um, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add? I think you've hit it all. But thank you so much for having me and for doing this collaboration. I think it's great. Um, The feedback that we've also gotten from the dispatcher episode was phenomenal. And um, a whole bunch of dispatchers and police officers alike have like completely overhauled the way they handle stuff in their departments. Yes. yes. So I think that's the whole point of this is have the tough conversations and spark change, whether it be personal, departmental, societal, whatever. Um, But that's, that's really the goal. I think it's just spark the change, have those difficult conversations and normalize the difficult conversations because that's the way you work through stuff instead of burying it is to talk about it. 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, just to piggyback off that, which I hate when people say that um, after the uh, as long as the, you don't say, let me circle back, then we're fine. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's been banned from my vocabulary. Um, <laughs> following the dispatcher episode, I remember someone reached out to me and you and said uh, immediately following that episode, they had a critical incident. And the first thing this person did was contact their dispatcher and say, hey, you doing OK? And that's just amazing completely monumental and i'm really glad that it's having that immediate effect on people and their agencies so um that's why we're doing this yeah dave if you're listening that was your shout out and uh that being said uh if you haven't listened to our previous episodes go listen to the original project 109 episode and then uh the rise of the bunker bitches which was last month and uh we're gonna keep doing this because i enjoy it i enjoy stephanie and and she's she's doing great things so all that being said that is it for today's episode you guys continue to take care of each other stay safe and until next time friends 10-8 out Thank you.